opportunity to come before your throne of grace. We always find mercy and grace to help us in our time of need. And there is never a time that we don't need you. We need you more now than we ever have. So we love you for answering our prayers. We honor you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. And praise God. Amen. So today we're uh, uh, the Lord told me to tell you to speak to you about uh, eternal life. So this is eternal life. He's going to tell us today what eternal life is all about. Uh, we all have experienced it, those of us who are born again. Uh, we've all experienced eternal life, but it's kind of hard to encapsulate it because it encompasses so many things. So we're going to talk some of the characteristics of eternal life so that you will understand what God means when he uses this term in his word. Um, most of us, when we got saved, got saved because we felt like we needed a ticket to heaven because we were on our way to hell. Then we found out that we weren't leaving so fast. Amen. Everybody got a delayed stamp on their ticket. And so you found you were hanging around this earth realm uh, for a much longer period of time, some of us, than we thought, well, you know, or, or shorter, some people. But anyway, you got to hang around earth for a while. So the question is, what do you do with the eternal life that you received when you see, receive Christ while you're here on earth? And so that's what God wants us to do is to know him and understand him and understand eternal life. So in John 17, uh, verse 3, it says, And this is eternal life, that they might know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. So eternal life encompasses the knowledge of the one true God, the only true God. There is not room for anything else in this equation, is there? This is new, this you, God, and your son, your representative, your heir, whom you have sent. So that encompasses our knowing Christ as he walked the earth, but knowing him also in his resurrection. So so knowing Christ in all aspects of his existence. And this will predate Calvary. This will go back to uh, uh, appearances of Christ or, or uh, uh, what are thought to be appearances of Christ in the Old Testament. It goes to the knowledge of Christ as the Word of God and the living Word of God, the rhema Word of God, the spoken Word of God, the Word of God made flesh. We have to know Him in all those different aspects. You can't just skip over some of the knowledge of Christ because it's very important. God has given us His Word that we might know Him and His Son whom He has sent. And so when we talk about knowing God, we're talking about a revealed knowledge of God, not a rumored knowledge or a 
a traditional knowledge or something somebody told you about him. But this is a covenant knowledge. This is up close and personal knowledge. This is an intimate knowledge of God, one where he has spoken to you face to face, breath to breath, spirit to spirit, as he did Moses. And so this is the the uh, legacy, I guess you could say, or the uh, treasure that Jesus left for us is that we would get to know the Father through the Son and, and take that knowledge and live our lives according to that knowledge. And so really eternal life encompasses knowing God, knowing His Son, who He has sent, and knowing all the truths surrounding uh, that relationship that God will reveal to us. So eternal life uh, can be said to be uh, the nature of God that dwells inside of us, and it can also be the nature of God that uh, permeates the atmosphere. We know that God is everywhere and at all times, and He is there for us to acknowledge, but also to to interact with Him uh, on a continual basis. God wants us to fellowship with Him, and we should want that as well. Amen. Uh, that is the quest of our hearts. That's that's what every human being longs long for. Sometimes we don't know what it is that we feel we're missing out of life. Sometimes we cannot articulate it because uh, before you meet the Lord, you're a carnal person. How many of you know carnal carnality cannot appreciate the things of the Spirit? So here you've got a spiritual void or a spiritual hunger in you, and you're just a flesh and blood person. Well, how do you express that? Uh, it's hard to express. Uh, Oftentimes we express it through bad behavior, we express it through frustration, depression, sense of loss, all of these things. Um, when you're craving a spiritual truth or a spiritual reality or a spiritual awakening, it's often characteristic that you come to the end of your natural life. So that natural life being terminated expresses it in many different ways. For some people, they do attempt suicide. Some people have death experiences, near-death experiences where they come back to earth. Uh, some people sense a, a sense of hopelessness and withdrawal from normal life. And that's what drives them to ask for God because he is a spirit. And uh, if you are going to receive Christ, you, it opens your spirit up to eternal life or the life that is in God. So eternal life is really a life that is as mature as you need it to be at the time you enter it. So eternal life, it's, not, it's, it's just life that's there. It's not a baby life, and it's not a, a mature life, and it's not a, a, you know, immature or for certain people at certain ages, or you can't handle this because you're just this old in God, or you're just this or that. Eternal life is, is in and of itself a total force of life. It can be thought of to be like water. Like a surf. Have you seen little babies that just kind of like take to the water? 
they just throw them in and they start paddling around and then they get comfortable and they're mastered it, right? Well, that's what eternal life is like. You can jump into it and plunge into it or you can stick your toe in and run back out and get scared of it for like nine months and then you get hungry for it again and then you come back and try it out again. The same person that plunges in can be scared of different depths of the water too. You see what I'm saying? You can be, like, you see some people, it's like, they really take to the Word of God the minute they're saved, you know, and they're eating up the Word of God. Well, check them out five, ten years later and see what they do. It's like a slug, you know, sitting there and, I picked up my Bible and I don't know when, you know what I'm saying? And so uh, it just is, the eternal life is that life force of God that draws you into it. It entices you to come near, but then there's a place where you have this sense that uh, if you plunge in, you're not going to be the same. Uh, Because you'll get rid of some of your familiar dirt, your familiar nonsense, your familiar this and that. And so there is this drawing, yet uh, a repulsion against it. It it has that ability to draw us. Your spirit is being drawn toward it, but your flesh will recoil at it because your flesh knows that something's going to be missing when you come back up out of the water. You'll get cleansed. You'll get purified. You'll be changed. And that's what the flesh man doesn't want. He doesn't take very much to the change. But the interesting thing about eternal life that as you partake of it and you let it dominate, your flesh gets less and less able to say anything against it. So your flesh kind of, you know, goes along for the ride, but, you know, he has less and less power uh, to do things to stop this life force. So it's it's really amazing what God can do uh, with with spiritual things, spiritual knowledge, spiritual experiences when they're accompanied with by the knowledge of God. John one four says, uh, well, I'll start with one. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And the word was God. So the word has the God power in it. And uh, God's word is him. It has the full force and effect of God's power. It says the same was in the beginning with God. And he was God because he was there from the beginning. All things were made by him. That is the word. And without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. So eternal life is a light force as well as a life force. You'll notice the opposite would be darkness and death. So only death comes from darkness. There is no life there. There is activity, but you can't call it life because it's not light. It's darkness. 
it says too, the light shines in darkness, and the darkness does not comprehend it. So there's a battle here. Here you see a conflict, because when you see the word comprehend, that also is apprehend, which is a combative term. So it says here, when light comes in the same space as darkness, darkness either flees or it, it, it bows to light because it has no power against it. It's like it's hands are tied. So you can say light has the power to arrest darkness. Light has the power to subdue darkness and put it under its feet. It has the power to cause darkness to flee. If darkness feels like it can't handle what's going on, it will be dispelled, but darkness can never, ever comprehend and overtake light. So that's that's the conflict, light versus darkness. This is why eternal life has come, because we were in darkness and estranged from God. We didn't even, we're in such darkness, we didn't even know we were without God. We thought we were fine in our little world until light started to come in. And it started to shed some truth onto the darkness. We started to see darkness as it really was. If, if that's possible. When light comes in, darkness has to go. That experience, though, gives you understanding that there's a greater force than what you've been dealing with in your life. So, so that's how you understand it. It's that, oh wow, ever since I started praying, I haven't had this, 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 this that was bad for me. Got me? And so, even though that darkness is not there anymore, your understanding tells you it left and that there was a conflict there and that darkness couldn't hold up under it. And so when you, I say, when I, I said you see it, you see that now, it means you understand it. And so you're able to comprehend which is the greater force pretty much from day one when you receive Christ. Uh, most people experience a lifting of burdens, and that's darkness. A lifting of heaviness, that's darkness. A self-satisfaction uh, and a peace that cannot be easily removed. So that peace comes to stay with you. Now you can go and visit some dark places in your soul from time to time. But most people prefer to gravitate toward the light, toward peace, and all the fruit of the Spirit that that brings in. So, uh, the word, uh, the life was the light of man. That word light also means development. So, the life, the light was the development of man. So, this light is what we are created from. We are created from the life force of God. God breathed into man's nostrils, and that breath brought life and development. So he became a living soul, and all of the things that we know of as human life began to take place. 
Your blood began to flow, your organs matured, you began to breathe on your own, you began to think, you got up, you start walking, you start creating, you start doing all the things that God, and so you developed from the light of God. Now, we live a soul life before we meet Christ. That life is apart from God, but there's still God flickerings in there. The light never really totally goes out. It's just not at the magnitude where we can use it for good. So there are some good things you can do as a sinner. We all know that. But they don't have that eternal aspect to them. Because when you're without Christ, you're subject to the curse. And so it has, there's a, the curse means there's a stopping point on it somewhere. It's God ordained. Because if he let us go full force, know what we want to do, this world wouldn't be here for very long. You got me? And so the curse comes to put a, a squash on that soul life that gets away from us. You know, we'll wreck things eventually, just living out of our soul. So you, you need uh, Holy Spirit development from the light that is Christ when he comes into your heart. The new creation man lives forever. Second Corinthians 5, 17. That's very familiar to us. If any man be in Christ, he is a new Creation, some translations say new species, he is now a God-man man, uh, with God capabilities that increase. They're on the increase. They're not diminishing. He's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. So we are regenerated in every area of our being by the spirit of eternal life. And all things are of God, who reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. So as ministers, as believers, we are bringing people into reconciliation with God, which that means repentance, number one. You have to be right with God. You can't, you can't promise people this and that. God's going to do this, that, and the other and not offer them reconciliation. You know, that's, as you want to help people, but they need to be reconciled to God. They definitely need that. So many times that's the first thing that you want to offer people, you know, and get to understand that, that, that they need to be brought to Christ. I know we went out yesterday ministering to people, you know, our, our t-shirts say need prayer, but that encompasses a whole lot of different areas. You know, some of them were already saved, some of them, I, I got born again years ago, but well, you need to be brought back to reconciliation. You understand what I'm saying? You can't live for God and you got unconfessed sin in your life, blocking everything that God wants to do for you, and especially your relationship with Him. So I think it's good to bring people back to right relationship with God through reconciliation, offer them to be new creatures, and to allow uh, God to clean up their record 
Amen. It says, and all things are of God, verse 18, who has reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ. There's no other way to get your, your, uh, your, uh, your, what you call it, your priors wiped off from your, your record and has given us to ministry of reconciliation to wit that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. And what does reconciliation mean? It means not imputing their trespasses unto them and have committed to us the word of reconciliation. So these are the things that we talk about to people when we talk about God. Are you reconciled to God? Is there a zero balance on your account, in other words? Are you or are you owing something? Amen. Well, if you're owing something, you've got to repent of that. You've got to ask God for his forgiveness and experience that. I think it's one of the greatest assets of our relationship with God, and that is justification. That you can stand before God and you know that you know that you know that there's nothing standing between you and God, your fellowship, your relationship, anything that you would ask of Him, He would freely do that for you. You don't have to guess what the holdup is. I mean, that's really no kind of relation when you think about it. Say, for instance, if, if, you, if you're a parent and your children we're always trying to figure out, is mama going to feed me today? I'm, I, I mean, I'm not going to be able to get my what I need for graduation. I mean, I, if your kids were constantly worried about that, that would be, you, you dislike that terribly. You, what is that coming from? I mean, I've never gave them, them any reason to think, to doubt that I would take care of them. But we do the same thing with God, don't we? Because our sin gets bigger than his blood. And it should never be that way. It should never be that way. But you got to get to that point. That doesn't just drop on you out of nowhere. You have to really understand what God is speaking to you. And then you've got to fight the devil to hold on to it. The first thing he throws at Christians is your past. Or your what's in your heart now, your wants, your desires. What do you want? That, well, see, you can't do that. That's wrong for you. Oh, you got me. Got me. He becomes your life coach. After. Everybody got a life coach now. Satan wants to be your life coach. So you fire him. Tell him that job's taken already by the Holy Ghost. Amen. You already got a life coach. So you don't need that stuff. You know, a lot of our uh, life coaching goes into a lot of accusation about people, you know, and shaming of people and trying to make them feel bad and all. That's a poor motivator for anything. And so God wants us to know that all things are passed away. You're a new creature. You don't have any priors. You don't have any convictions. You don't have a, you know, you don't have a record anymore. It's been expunged, okay? It's been written in its big red eraser came and erased everything. And so you can live like that, but you've got to walk that way. You just can't have any kind of thought racing through your mind and grab onto it and think you're going to live free before God. It does include your thought life. Your heart includes your thought life. What emanates from there and emanates back and forth, you know, you have a dialogue between the desires of your heart and what's in your mind and one feeds the other. 
you know, you can't have a pure heart with a polluted mind. Pretty soon your heart's going to get pumped up too. And so you have to, to really, your job is to labor to enter into that place where you know it's all good. You have to fight your way in through that. The devil's hitting you with this thought. This is delayed in your life and you're wondering. you got to stop wondering. you got to know. Amen. That God has already said that he's what he's going to do for you. And stand in that. And don't let the devil start robbing you through, through your own thought life. So when you're a new creature, you are reconciled to God through Jesus Christ. You got the real thing. You're not guessing at whether you're going to heaven, so to speak, is the way we term it all the time. But there are other heavenly things that we enjoy along the way. And you're saved so that you can bring heaven down here on earth and activate it. Amen. So anyway, we're born again of the Spirit, so our chronological age is the same. We begin our journey not as babies in all areas, but the Zoe of God completes us by giving us information and maturity in ways that cannot be imitated. So this is a unique way. This is unique. This is not something you've experienced before. This is something that is characteristic of God's kingdom. It deals with God's kingdom results, God's kingdom activities. Everything that has to do with God's kingdom is related to eternal life. Eternal life is the life force of the kingdom of God. When we uh, embrace eternal life, and when we live in eternal life fully, then we bring the kingdom down here on earth just like it is in heaven. We enter in, and we get all the full benefits of the kingdom of men. So the Zoe life of God, or the spirit life of God, is something that God gives to mature us into the full stature of Christ. Amen. That's in Ephesians 4.13. I'll turn there. Since it's close. says here, he that descended, verse 10, is the same as he that ascended up far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. And he gave some apostles and some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. That means he gives some people these gifts. Amen. Not some meaning something else. And the reason these gifts are given is for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry. So the gifts come. Now these gifts come out of the realm of eternal life. So these are heavenly gifts or eternal life gifts. Why? Because they come from Christ. So anything that is Christ-born or Christ-given is eternal life. It's an eternal life force. So the gifts of the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher come out of the realm of eternal life to perfect you in eternal life. So we are given to the body of Christ to perfect one another in eternal life dealings or eternal life happenings. 
So we are here to help you, number one, in the ministry of reconciliation and mature you in those things. Amen? And to perfect you, cause you to grow up in in the eternal life force of the ministry of reconciliation. So, you know, I had some on Facebook that, you know, Facebook is not a substitute for, you know, uh, right spiritual authority over your life. And so, you know, some people, they like to argue, but, 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 talking up for Facebook, trying to put down church. So then people, I let them talk, I don't even argue with people like that. Because that word was really not for them. It'll make a dent in their thinking at some point. But there are people that don't understand the structure of God's church and of his body and how people are perfected in the body of Christ. Because people have all kinds of experiences. You know, you don't judge God's kingdom based on your experiences. Uh, Your experiences may validate that it's a kingdom occurrence. You know, it's evidence that the kingdom's real to you, but it's not the other way around. Your experiences don't establish the kingdom in your life. You see what I'm saying? And so many people get it twisted and flipped over backwards because they're so experience-oriented and carnal-minded that they can't really let that go and think totally spiritually-minded. But there is no other structure for God's church than the fivefold ministry gifts. Wherever they exist, the church is established. Amen? And so we have to understand and appreciate, and that becomes a safety for you. And it becomes a protection for you, and like the Bible says, a gift to you. You don't have to pay for it. You don't have to try to go out and get it. These gifts are freely given by the Lord. Just let them do their job. You know what I'm saying? Don't try to lift them up, put them down, anything. Just let the gifts be and do their job because the gifts are, are, are the kingdom and the gifts are eternal life forces. So they help you to plunge into eternal life and extract out of it what you need and then go on home. You know what I'm saying? Uh, and, and, and this is the good thing about the gifts of God. They can be opened and revealed and examined and, and enjoyed by people. And you get your impartation of what they provide for you. And, and you take that and you uh, incorporate it into your life and your call and what God's called you to do. And so when you see that, that God has already mapped out a, a system for helping us, it gets it's easier, you know. It's hard if you fight with it, but it's easy if you just embrace it, accept it. And why are we given to mature the saints or perfect the saints for the work of the ministry? You need to be put to work doing your ministry in God. Amen. That's what we're here for. Not to teach you how to be a good usher, though that's part of it. I don't like bad ushers. I'm already praying against them. You know what I'm saying? And so you, 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 
but but it is to it, it's not just for the structure that we have within the building. That's all I'm trying to say. It is for your life when you get home. It's for your life with your family. It's for your life out there ministering to people. For your neighbors. For anything else. It's to for you to be perfected in the skill of reconciliation and bringing eternal life to bear in every situation that you're in. When you pray and you begin to pray the word into your whatever situation, you are bringing eternal life into that situation. Amen. You're bringing it there so that that situation can be reconciled to God, be brought under the word of God, the will of God, and things will go well. That's what you're trying to do. And so we're here to help you do that. We're not here to take over your life or control you or be mean to you. You know, that's so small-minded to focus on just the carnal aspect of things. Listen, we all get on each other's nerves sometimes. We're, we're, we have uh, fuses, you know, and we have patience that runs out. We have all, we're human as well as divine. Got me? We can't all tap into 100% divine at all times. Wish we could, but we can't. Then you gotta understand there's a devil there that's plotting to trip you up, whatever, however, you know, he can. You know, people who are mature and compassionate will tell believers, you know, pray for your ministers because they have more trouble than you do. You understand what I'm saying? It's just true. And so, and they pray for you, but you know, many people think it's a one-way door. You know, it doesn't swing both ways, but it really, really does. And so we are to to come into the unity of the faith, the knowledge of the Son of God. What does that mean? We all got to talk the same thing. We got to all accept all of this word. We can't have people. Well, we don't believe that. We don't know those are unbelievers. We're talking about believers here, Amen. So believers are the ones who wield eternal life in the earth. You handle eternal life. You handle the words of life. And it is a big undertaking if you think of it apart from God and apart from a solid structure and and a solid design that God designs to make sure that this succeeds. So God has nothing but success on his mind. And so he, this is why he, he puts eternal life here and puts it in the hand of us, his church. Us, us, amen. Why? Because we can handle it. Why? Because he's got a fail-proof system. Because it's God-designed, it will not fail. Don't ever think of yourself as uh, a failure. You need to clean up your head. You know, I mean, really, stuff like that, you know, where you sort of beat up yourself because you don't do this. No, come on, now let's grow up here. That never helps anything. If you mess up, you need to talk to God about it, get it straightened out, get it off your chest, get it off your record, you know, ask his forgiveness, make sure it's given, and that that thing is blotted out. When it's blotted out, you don't think about it forever. You got me? It comes off your conscience. conscience can be your friend or it'll be your enemy. It's all in how you want it to be, folks. You know, all this business of 
bringing up old stuff, being scared of old stuff coming up, and you know, all this old stuff, you know. And many times we don't even realize that's what's hindering us. Sometimes you just need to spend a little day in the Word or in worship or the presence of God listening to your thoughts and listening to what they say, and you'll find out what's going on inside there, amen. So, uh, eternal life begins with your born-again experience, you know, with your reconciliation. You confess that God raised Jesus from the dead. You want him as your Savior. You're done with the old life. You're finished with it. You say goodbye to it. Then you step into there. So, Jesus begins his life with uh, reconciliation reconciling us to himself as sinners. So he finds us as sinners. Everybody comes in the same way, okay? These people say, oh, I was born praising God. No, you weren't. Uh, You'll find people in the church that say that. You know, that's their testimony. I was born praising God. I said, seriously? You know, I was dragged in by my my grit field nails, <laughs> acrylic nails back in the day. Amen. He accepts us as sinners, but he's really looking for a bride. When, when we come in, day one, he looks at us and sees bride inside of us. And it's eternal life and how we let it work through us that determines if we'll ever receive that identity. Now, he's conferring it upon us, but whether we receive it and walk in it is another story. Amen. And so maturity then allows us to come into that place where we accept ourselves as the bride of Christ. So the bride has to pull her own weight in the relationship. Yes? So this will help you with understanding how fortunate you are if you've accepted that identity. Because there's so many that still see themselves as beggars, as unworthy, as yada, 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 you know, or only call on God when they need something, uh, you know, users, uh, not feeling worthy, don't want to sit at the Father's table, you know, and, and, you know, where your place card is, where he set that for you. You don't know how to get yourself positioned so that you can assume the responsibility that he has for you. None of that stuff happens. I was talking to somebody, and, and they're older and still unmarried, you know, and it's a male. And they said, you don't know, you don't know these women out here. I said, well, I thought I did. I said, they were bad enough when I was <laughs> back in the day, but, uh, you know, it's, it's, every man's looking for the bride, and they're looking for somebody who's mature, who can handle responsibility, you know, who's not going to wreck them before the first year of marriage, who's not going to control them, and try and take all of the reins away from them. You understand what I'm saying? Uh, somebody who, who understands the strength of submission, that that man and the both of you will go a lot further if you accept God's order of things. 
you know, and I don't mean when I submission, I don't mean just let him lord it all over you and you act like you don't have a brain, you know. Every other word is my husband is and I come on. Right. What do you think? You know, I mean seriously, this is nonsense. Now people take it too far. Christians are good at this. They don't really try and get real meaning out of anything. So they'll settle for a carnal thought that comes to them that looks like submission. But underneath you sense a lot of resentment. See, it shouldn't be that way. There should be that sense of uh, contentment and joy, accepting that this is God's will and it's the best will for you and that God will work it out. You're not just lording it all over each other or, you know, that kind of, it's not about your husband or your wife or whoever. It's about the relationship in Christ and that God has led you to somebody who is a good fit for you. You got me? You have to get beyond the just the human aspect of everything because eternal life will cause you to tap into the essential meaning that God has there, you see. And, and, and you know, the unraveling of mysteries comes when eternal life comes into you. The Bible talks about marriage as being a mystery. Uh-huh. Everybody likes a good mystery, don't they? No! Uh, well, I'm really not a fan. <laughs> but it is. It's something you step into because you desire it, but you don't know what you're getting into to get in there. It's the same thing with our life in Christ. That's a marriage, and it's a mystery. You don't know what you're getting into until you get in there, but you know it's going to work out because of who ordained it. You got me? And that's the way you got to live life, folks. You can't just walk around here being, you know, borderline retarded about stuff and just stay in that way. you got to delve into these things. It's the, the ocean of eternal life. Jump in and swim. Oops. Wrong club. Well, anyway... <laughs> Remember that, Miss Karen? We did the swim. Then you get right. That's eternal life, right? You dive in, you dunk under. Oh, it's a lot of fun. Amen. So, when we are born of the Spirit, our chronological age is the same, but we begin our journey not as babies in all areas. So, there are some things that sometimes people can show a great deal of maturity in when they're first saved. That's a gift from God. It's a grace of God to enter into the realm of eternal life, development, and understanding beyond your normal what other people do. Like some people will grab on to faith in their giving very quickly.
And you'll watch them over years. They'll be stable givers. They'll be abundant givers. And then there are some people that just can't get it. They are so nervous about, you know, giving a tenth, even though they've been saved for a lot of years. You see them tithe for a minute and then run back. And, you know, they're cheating on it again and tithe for a minute and then run back. They're like gamblers, you know. When I get a windfall, I'm going to tithe. Well, you won't get that. You understand what I'm saying? And so we have to learn how to trust God in things. And so maybe that's your test, that you got to learn how to trust God and you're fearful and all that kind of stuff. But then you might have maturity in another area. You might be good at, at dragging people to church and making them come with you. And somehow they always say yes. You know what I'm saying? Some people have that. And so these are, are ways that we learn how to handle eternal life. Everybody must learn how to handle this life force. You must. This is a mandate from God. When he says, go ye into all the world and open your mouth and blab about me and pray for the sick, that's handling eternal life. We handle it in a number of ways. You're handling eternal life when you make a decision that you're going to obey the word of God. As you get it revealed to you and your faith develops, you can make a covenant with yourself. Well, I'm going to obey this. Amen. I'm going to do it by the Spirit. And so these are our maturing things. There are some areas that we continue to be matured in. Uh, there are some areas that we have challenges in our maturity. We just don't want to let go of controlling it ourselves as much, all that kind of stuff. But God has given us the ability to let eternal life develop us. Amen. It develops our spirit. It develops us into the stature of Christ. So part of eternal life is your personal inward development, and the other part is your outward ministry. Amen. So your ministry of reconciliation, and then your internal development by the same spiritual force. Amen. So uh, in, in these things cannot be imitated. And anybody who's plugged in the Spirit can discern of the Spirit and not of the Spirit. Say, for instance, if you go to a church, people hop around and jump and dance and all that kind of stuff, and there's no joy there. You look for the fruit of the Spirit. I know everybody does. You're not you're not sure what you're looking for or you can't put a name on it all the time. But there's something missing. You understand what I'm saying? You know that something's not there that's supposed to be there. And so when I say it cannot be imitated, that means there's a real Zoe life of God and then there's imitations and counterfeits of the Zoe life of God. We talk about the joy of the Lord. The counterfeit would be uh, drunkenness that comes on by natural means. And uh, there are, are uh, fruits of, of the Spirit, like uh, goodness and meekness. Those can all be counterfeited. And see, when light comes in, then they get exposed. And so people start looking at gosh, I thought they were a nice person, or I thought they were saved, or I thought they were this, or I thought they were that. And what happened, the light came in, and the darkness 
had to either flee, manifest itself, somehow that darkness manifested because it couldn't be made hidden anymore. And so this is how we know eternal life. We know one another that way. Uh, there is that life force that develops us and doesn't let us counterfeit anything. So you want the real thing. Sometimes you'll be going along with life, you think pretty good, and all of a sudden you hit a glitch and you're say, no, something's not right with this. I gotta, I gotta go to God and get this right, you know, because it doesn't feel right to me. I know, I know this isn't it. There's more to it, or there's something that's come in here that's kind of gotten it a little goofed up, and I want to get that straightened out. And so we are our deserters of our own life force. The same life force that develops you helps you to discern it from other life forces so that you won't be deceived. Um, sometimes people will, will get involved. This is one way deception comes. Uh, the enemy will start to get you, get your discernment relaxed. Um, through, say, individuals you like, trust, love, they're good Christians or whatever, they fed you in the past or something like that, and then they start to get off the rails a little bit. Well, your your discerner still works for eternal life. And if you're not sure if what they're doing is related to eternal life, you can put it on the shelf, but you don't have to embrace it full force and pretend like it's okay. You see, keep your discerner free because you don't want to start mixing things up where you compromise with that life force that's still working in you, developing you, is still helping you, uh, with ministry, is still helping you in every aspect of your life. So you want to keep that unencumbered and un unhindered from any kind of personal uh, like, dislike, or whatever. So it's easy to compromise if you don't let that life force do what it's supposed to do. You have to leave it alone to work in the way that God's ordained for it to work. So we all have that supernatural helper who is the Holy Spirit, and he's able to give us answers needed all the time. That's how this development happens, through answers when we make inquiry of God. So we inquire of God, sometimes just even in your thought life or, or in, you know, God, I don't really understand this. Or he'll tell you to he'll give you an answer right away or he'll just, you know, bank it until a time when you can understand it. Or it'll pop up in the next sermon you listen to. That's always fine. So he does not take us on unnecessary learning journeys. The Bible says to be careful about vain babblings, wives' tales, uh, unnecessary, you know, uh, memorizing genealogies. It's very tempting sometimes when you look at, oh, I forgot who they got here. I forgot, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Let me, you know, don't get sidetracked, you know. And uh, just allow the Lord to show you what he wants to show you. So he doesn't take us on unless everything he has for you to learn, you're going to need. And he will hold you accountable. Everything fits into its desired place or its God-desired place. Everything you learn, there is a spot for it. Everything. 
Eternal life has always been there, waiting for us to tap into it. And he allows us to jump right in to where our need is. So if you need healing, you don't have to work your way up to that from something simpler. You just plunge into the healing pool. And, and there is, say, if it's, if it's baby, baby steps you need to take, there's baby steps in the healing pool. But you're in the healing pool. You don't have to circumvent, go around. I remember years ago, because God releases revelation to people in the order that he ordains it for you to utilize it. Some people used to think spiritual warfare, oh, that's deep. That's for certain people. Well, how'd you get saved? Did you have to fight something to settle in on the truth? You're born in a war zone. And, uh, but, but there are still people that feel fearful about studying more and trying to get to understand more. They'll just take superficial ideas and try to put them together and make it development. And it's not, it's not Holy Ghost development. It's just some, some things that they've heard and they kind of take it carnally and put it together in their minds to try and get it to make sense to them. You know, like, oh, we're going to have a good meeting because the devil sure has been kicking up. Well, is he God's messenger to you? So, you know, we got to learn how to. And even people for whom that is true from time to time. I'll put it that way. It's not true for everything. You can't make that blanket statement about it. Or you put God in, in league with the devil. You know, it's kind of nutty to think that. You know, there are some times where, where the enemy will give you a big fight over some things, but you win. You don't. And it's a, it's a wrestling. It's not just he jumps in front of you and tries to cause an accident one time and then you... You know, you expect something great to happen from that. That's to me, that's a little foolish because, you know, in my experience, it's just not a one-time attack. They get so frequent, you just quit talking about them. You know, it might be something to say something about when you're inexperienced. And you don't know, but the Bible says we wrestle. What does that mean? That means you hit him and he gets up again. Oh, really? <laughs> okay. Oh, I think I better bring a little more to the fight next time. You understand me? And so it, it's a, it can be a continual wrestling, but there are times when you get rest and you get peace from it. Or some people are just peaceful about it, period. It's, ah, it's just him, yeah, like Brother Summerall. You know, he got so used to the devil trying to hurry. Ah, it's just you. And he rolled over and went back to sleep. You know? But I'm sure there were some nights where he did have to wrestle with him. Just depends on, you know, what they bring and what you got for them when they show up. And so it's, it's, this is how the kingdom advances. And some, some wrestlings will take years. And if you're engaged in a real battle against Satan, you quit talking about it after a while. It's not such a novel thing to you anymore. It's just for the people that it rarely happens with. They get all excited about it. Like it really means something. It means nothing. It just means he's doing his job. And the question is, are you doing yours? Did he hit you? Did you hit him back? 
and you tell him not. Go tell his mama you hit him and don't come back here no more. Well, I'll whip your mama too. Got me? We know he doesn't have one, so it's okay. See, there's a difference between authority and excitement. You've got to use authority. You can't get anywhere with the devil being excited about what he's doing. Don't let yourself get excited, okay? That's how many people lose discernment. They lose authority, and they lose ground, and they lose battle. So, there's a time in your training, sometimes you see a devil everywhere. I went through it for a short period of time. God said, you better stop that and start hitting him back. It was like my mother used to do. Quit coming in here whining, telling me about them chasing you. Turn around and go back and hit them back. Got me? So that's that's what you do. Why? Because the greater one lives in you. What are you whining for? What are you complaining about? What are you talking about him for? He gives enough free publicity without the body of Christ going around parading his shenanigans. Amen. So there are no flaws in the process of bringing eternal life to bear in your situation. It will always work. Amen. It will always work. This this system is flawless. It needs no help. Amen. So when you live in eternal life and you appropriate eternal life, it in and of itself increases itself and dominates in a situation. It will bring the desired effect in and of itself. Eternal life was present at the beginning of creation. Genesis 1, the Spirit of God hovered over the face of the earth. That was eternal life being everywhere. And God said, let there be. So there is a hovering of eternal life which is available to all of us. And there's a targeted eternal life where God says, let there be. And then the collision happens. It's not the collision of light and darkness. It it is the collision of the word and the spirit. And they drive darkness out. So whatever is spoken into that realm of the spirit manifests by the spiritual righteous collision of God's word and God's spirit. And when it manifests, whatever was there that was opposing it is there no more. So God said, let there be light. Light was. And there was light. What happened to darkness? It's not even mentioned anymore. Why? Because eternal life is manifested. The same thing with your body. When it drives sickness out, it's, you know, uh, cancer, where it went, you know, it's not here anymore. Amen. It left. Amen. Because the word and the spirit collided together and exploded in cancer's face and he had to leave. Amen. He gone. Amen. He didn't leave a forwarding address. He didn't leave any lingering symptoms. He, you know, the symptoms are always a forwarding address. Where can you find me? Um, we ain't looking for you. Man. So don't go looking. Start looking for more eternal life. This is a way to get it to, to perpetuate itself. 
Bible says, forget what's behind. You know, some people want to give their testimony to talk about how sick they were and how, you know, give that link by unction. Make sure God opens the door for you to say that. If you don't open the door, don't let the devil start making you keep talking and keep talking and keep talking. You know, just a little word of wisdom. I know people, some people make a lot of people, whatever, off their testimony, but there is a time for it. Depends on the situation, the atmosphere, who's there to receive it. It's ministry. It's not just something to blast out of your mouth all the time. I've seen that stuff backfire on people, y'all. You know, people sometimes they get a lot of attention for it. Now, all what you've been through, and wow, God's really done a miracle in your life, and pretty soon you'll see him anymore. Why? It's overtaken them. You see what I'm saying? You gotta use wisdom, folks. Huh? You got it. You got to gauge the reaction and make sure you're giving God glory. But these people say wonderful things of, well, you know, glory to God because He was the one that did this for me. And don't let yourself get inflated because of what you've been through. It's a good way to have it stick on you and you never be able to get overcome it, you see. So you, you have to, so it's the blood of the Lamb that helps you to overcome, as well as the word of your testimony, not just running around talking about yourself all the time. Yeah, yeah I'm serious, you know, it, it is true. You know, it gets overboard sometimes. It really, really does. And so we have to allow God to, to complete that process for us. So, uh, eternal life is a complete life. Nothing is left out of it. So, everything that you need is in God. Amen. He doesn't need any help helping you. He doesn't need any suggestions with, with his plan for your life. Just hang on for the ride. Amen. If you get scared, just strap on your seatbelt. But stay in there. There are no flaws in the process of eternal life development. Your healing, if you need it, is real. And you really are healed. No ifs, ands, and buts. So your that life is complete and nothing is left out of it. If your mind keeps telling you, but what about, but what about, but what about, you got to extinguish that. There's no but what about, you just heal. Why is it taking so long? If you shut up, it would take as long. <laughs> it's taking long because you're doubting. Time has to do, and there's no, there's no time in eternal life. It's just eternity. So time's not an issue when you're dealing with the things of God, right? So you just stepped out of it when you start regarding time. Eternal life has no beginning and no end. It exists by the power of the great I Am. It is His domain and His habitat. So you will find God in eternal life. It is his dwelling place. He 
exists eternally, so it's the life God created. So you want to tap into that. You want his essence, and you want the God-created life to overtake your life. Faith in Jesus Christ allows access to and knowledge of eternal life. You, it, you merely step into it by faith, and the grace of God comes to allow you to enter into it. You've got to believe God wants you well, wants you to minister, wants you to do all of the things that you do. He wants you prosperous. He wants you whole. He wants you healthy. He wants you on top of all your enemies, spiritual enemies, not people. Now talk about your traditional haters out there, your imaginary haters. I mean, some people can't wake up unless they think somebody's jealous of them about something. They just refuse to get out of bed. They got, they got to think of somebody. Hey, mom, I this mom, I hate it. Uh, they're nuts. They're crazy. Since eternal life has no beginning and no end, there is a sense of timelessness when you're in eternal life. A sense that you could stay there forever. So there's that forever quality about it and a forever pleasantness about it. You want to keep it going. All of the fruit of the Spirit are available to you in the realm of eternal life. All of them. There's not some fruit for some people and some fruit for other people. You know, the devil will always take away from what God gives us abundantly. If you don't operate in in much meekness, that means that you haven't tapped into that realm yet. It's always the humble fruit, the humble pie fruit that people don't see much of. You know, we all want the joy. Ah, 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 ah. You know, and, and you know, other ones that are are readily available to us because they're familiar to us. But they're they're a different fruit. You know, you need the fruit of meekness so that you can take on Christ. You know, and, and allow Him to clothe you. Uh, there's a fruit of gentleness so that you don't you don't just go being abrasive to people. You know, I mean, when you go out to witness to people, it's not a time to contend and argue with them. It's time to entreat them. If you can't, you understand what I'm saying. So there's a way to avail yourself of all of the fruit of the Spirit. Some you may not need as much as others. I don't know. Some fit people more easily than others. Sometimes it's a tight fit, but you put it on and you look good. You might be able to wear it. You might be able to wear it for 10 minutes and then take it off. But you wore it. You got to the dance. Uh, it's, it's like that. Sometimes it is a tight shoe. I remember that was so funny. Pastor Shirley was telling me about, you know, years ago when she and, and uh, 
Hey, Louise, their children were small. And so I think Louise had lots think it was Easter. Everybody needed an Easter outfit. One of her boys had shoes on. He said, Mama, they hurt. She said, Boy, you can wear that shoe. She, she looked at her and she said, How long can you keep that shoe on your foot? And he said, About an hour. So that's like the family joke. About an hour. When you hear that, you know what that's about. But that's just... But that's about sometimes what we, we, it's a try on for some of these fruit of the spirit with us, you know? And ones that we don't want to, some people, it's hard for them to love. They, they can act like they do. Cause that's the one that's most often imitated. Why? Cause it's the more important one. So the enemy will always give you a counterfeit. I tell everybody, I said, love really starts with forgiveness. You know, you can't have a love relationship without forgiveness in there. Because some offense is always going to come. And so it's, that's, that's how you love. You love through forgiving. You don't love through trying to be better than somebody or show them how to be nice. Or you're trying to be the nice queen of everything. And that don't work. God exposes us so quick. It's kind of pathetic. But anyway, we are talking about the real life force of eternal life. Amen. So it is a life and a light force. So it is capable of developing us. The atmosphere of eternal life encourages certain kinds of words. And these are words of life. Remember when when uh, all the people left Jesus? Remember uh, Prophet Waller teaching on that. He said, Jesus lost almost all of his church in one in one day, then he would say, Jesus, you didn't see Jesus right? I said, hey, y'all, come here. He said, he just let them leave. So anyway, but uh, uh, it, it, it was during that discourse that when people left, he looked at Peter and he said, are you going to leave me too? And he said, where am I going to go? He said, you have the words of life. He didn't say, you have a position for me. I'm the deacon here. I'm next in line. or any. He said, you have the words of life. And that's how you tell a true disciple they stay because the words of life are there. Not because they're promised anything. Or not because they have a position or not any of that. It's the words of life that should keep you in a situation where God wants you to be. So the atmosphere of eternal life encourages words of life. It discourages other words. Sometimes you can just let the atmosphere put people under conviction for what they say. It'll happen. In the atmosphere of eternal life, there is an ever-present let there be. So the let there be is already there. That's why healing, deliverance, and the new birth occur. Because we speak into an atmosphere that allows it to happen. It only allows certain things to happen. The gifts of the Spirit actually form the words needed to speak into this life-giving atmosphere to bring forth life. So 
when you're uh, ministering or praying for somebody, it's good to take a deep breath in tongues if you can and begin to pray. And or if you begin with the word, God will generate more specific words from that situation. It should all be Holy Ghost inspired. And it doesn't take long to get get to get. Especially on things like healing. You say be healed in Jesus' name. It was it's kind of amazing sometimes you can take a person from total ignorance up to healed in, in maybe five or six short sentences if you let them stay focused on what you're telling them. You know, if if you can lock eyes with them. Uh, get their attention, you know. I know yesterday is a little challenging because we had people running back and forth. And, like, oh. and so, you know, a lot of what what you do is taking authority over these confusions and stuff because then the person is trying to receive. You see their eyes dart back and forth. I said, I don't look at them. I said, the devil sent them to steal your healing. That poor man, I said, let me prove it to you. And I said, Satan, I bind you in the name of Jesus. And they scattered. And he said, wow. I said, yeah, wow. I said, they came right up here to take this from you. I said, you paying attention? He said, yeah. I said, I bet you are. Look on me, on us. You know what I'm saying? Your healing ain't over there. You've been running around the street with them riffraff for years, and they ain't got you healed yet. Come on now. This is your chance. So, but the gifts of the Spirit form the words needed to speak into this life. So don't get excited if you get a word of knowledge. Don't get excited if God has you prophesied. Don't get excited. These are not it. They come for you to speak into that spirit the correct thing that that person needs so that it can manifest in their life. If it never happens, what good is it? You know, we got people that you could wallpaper your wall with all the prophecies people have tried to give you. You understand me? Oh, now it's only what comes to pass, at least from my understanding. From where I'm positioned, I only want it, you know, it needs to come to pass for it to mean anything, for it to do you any good, for it to come and sit in your garage, or for it to come and sit in your living room or wherever you keep your treasure <laughs> and your heart. But you know what I'm saying. So anyway, it, it's we got to look at that. We're too excited about preliminary things and not about the faith and the manifestation, which is so very important. Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil so people could live devil-free. That's the benefit of it. You don't have him bugging you anymore. And so this is why we speak into the Spirit and speak these things. And the gifts of the Spirit are there to profit everybody. You know, anybody can receive a word of wisdom or a word of knowledge. Yeah. You, can, you can focus too much on some, some things, you know, just want so much of it 
why? There's got to be a reason for it, amen. So people's lives must get better. They must. They must. <laughs> amen. So, I mean, we want to we want to manifest his glory in that way. And that's the other thing. The eternal life is the glory of God. It's everything that needs to come forth out of that realm of the spirit. Amen. Eternal life is a life-giving and birthing atmosphere. Isaiah 54.1 is speaking about eternal life and bringing forth. It says, Sing, O barren, you that did not bear, break forth in the singing and cry aloud, for you did not, you who did not travail with child, that means natural birth, for more are the children of the desolate than the children of the married wife, says the Lord. Well, how's that happen? It has to be spiritually. Enlarge the place of your tent. In other words, expect. Expect to bring forth life. This is what we do with eternal life force in us, and we speak into it. Let them stretch forth the curtains of your habitation. Spare not lengthen your cords. Strengthen your stakes. You're going to break forth on the right and the left. And your seed shall inherit the Gentiles. And others is talking about the harvest of souls. Amen. So, so really, what it says here is there will be a new life force come into you greater than your natural life force. Because a natural life force extends, extinguishes after a while. But the eternal life force goes on forever. You'll always be able to bring forth fruit in old age. You'll be able to be flourishing all the days of your life, even before you're able to bear in the natural. You can bring forth fruit in the realm of the spirit. So this eternal life force is a life force that God uses to enhance his kingdom, bring reconciliation, but it is there all the time, folks, when you receive Christ. It is there for you to tap into it, to engage with it, for it to perfect you and to reconstruct your life, and for you to avail for the effect of bringing forth others into it. Amen. Father, we thank you for your word, for understanding. Thank you, Lord, that this is eternal life that you have given us in your Son, Jesus, and you, the Father the only true and living God and the Holy Spirit who is the force of life in this earth. And we thank you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. And praise God. If it-